Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I am Dan Lobby. I'm Mary Kay Cabot. And I'm Scott Batsko. And we are in Berea. It is the final day of minicamp. Practice wrapped up. Oh, let's see, it's about 4 o'clock, so practice wrapped up about four and a half hours ago. Uh, The Browns are done for the most part uh, until July. Some rookies are still going to be in town. The rookie symposium stuff, whatever they call it now. The the rookie program is is still ongoing. Um, Things like that. But the Browns... The bulk of the offseason program is over. The veterans are going to be out of town. And what we're going to do is we're going to look back on the spring here. We're going to look at each position, uh, just kind of some thoughts on what we saw. Some are going to be easier than others. Uh, let's start with one that I think is pretty easy, quarterback, and Baker Mayfield. Uh, we can get into the backup quarterbacks, too, if we want a little bit, but it starts with Baker Mayfield. This was his first spring as the guy, his team, um, I thought it looked like his football team. He sounded like the leader of this team. Uh, no big surprises out of Baker, I didn't think. No, the only thing, you know, my biggest takeaway about Baker Mayfield from this whole offseason, from the voluntary minicamp, the OTAs, and the mandatory minicamp, is the fact that most of the time that I looked out there, he was throwing to backup receivers. He did not have an offseason full of getting his timing down with Jarvis Landry, who's been injured, Odell Beckham Jr., who didn't even practice today in 11-on-11s. 11 he only uh, worked in two days of the mandatory minicamp out of three because they're trying not to you know, get him hurt after missing most of the voluntary. So even though I think Baker has come a long way, I really think that this wasn't as productive as an offseason for him as it could have been uh, because half the time he was throwing to Dorian Baker and Ishmael Hyman. <laughs> He's got some catching up to do. He's got, you know, with what this team wants to do and with where they're going, like he said the other day, like he has to kick it into overdrive with Beckham. And they plan on doing that. They're going to go to USC and they're going to practice like they did uh, last year. Antonio Callaway will go out there too. And they're really going to have to uh, do some catching up because it just really didn't happen that way this spring. Spoiler alert, that's not the first time you're going to hear Ishmael Hyman's name on this podcast. We're going to do wide receivers in a little bit, and you're going to hear that name again. <laughs> Scott, what do you think of Baker? You know, I, I, I noticed that too about the, the fact that he wasn't getting his top, uh, top receivers out there in drills. But when he did talk uh, a couple days ago, he, he mentioned how it was a lot like last year when – most of his work in the offseason was with the second team, and, and we've talked a lot about how he had that connection with Richard Higgins because of that. Um, Higgins was one of the, uh, I think, one of the consistent receivers out here during 
uh, during the offseason, so that, that kind of remained. But but you're right, he didn't get that that top group of Odell and Jarvis and, and Antonio Callaway. But then he also pointed out that he looks at this time as is, is that portion of the offseason when you just you try things. You try to see what works, what doesn't. Um, he... I'm sure he would like to throw to his top receivers, but he didn't seem that upset about it when we talked to him. I think he he looked this like I said more like an experiment type thing. Now, going into training camp, I'm sure he's going to want to mm-hmm. like just ramp things up and be ready to go. But um, I guess I'm not as concerned about Baker being ready as I might have been if if he hadn't uh, kind of talked about how this is more of an experimental time for him. Yeah, I mean, I've seen you know people. Uh, talking about Baker this mini camp, sort of saying, you know, it's been a little uneven for him. He's been picked off. He's thrown some interceptions and things like that. So I do think it's important to keep in mind that, you know, it's not like it's a well-oiled machine right now. He really, we're we're still not even looking out there yet and seeing what it's going to be. Duke Johnson wasn't there either. So the bulk of, you know, I mean, half of his starting offense hasn't been there with him uh, so I don't think we can really hold it against him if he had a bit of an uneven camp. I, I go back to a play in OTAs when they were doing a two-minute drill or one-minute drill, and uh, it was fourth down and long. He dropped back, and he looked to number 81, Richard Higgins, the whole way. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there were times during this spring where he dropped back, especially during really competitive periods, mm-hmm. and he was going to throw to 81 or nobody. Um, that, you know, you saw that connection there with those two, and... I think he got a little more comfortable with those other guys as things went along. But, yeah, I mean, that's really kind of the story with Baker. Before we move on from quarterbacks, do either of you – I've made my feelings on the backup quarterback situation clear. Do either of you have anything to add about the backup quarterback? Go ahead, Scott. Drew Stan looked good today. I don't know. He's a trash uh, talker, by the way. <laughs> if you guys come out to training camp, he's a trash talker. You know, he – he seems to have had success with with the second team when they've gone in, uh, especially on like red zone drills. Uh, you know, Baker has, has kind of struggled in that, uh, whether it was outside or inside over the past few days, um, finding uh, receivers and, and and connecting. He's had some passes go off people's hands in the back of the end zone, but uh, Stanton's had a little more success. Again, he's going against second team defense too, but if. You know, you have your choice. You want your second team quarterback to have success uh, at least during the off season, and then hope he never sees the field uh, once the games begin. Well, the value that that Drew Stanton brings primarily is the fact that he is Baker Mayfield's mentor, and he is like another coach in the room, on the field, and everywhere else. And I think they're really counting on the fact that Baker is sturdy; he's not getting hit a lot, and that I think they're just kind of counting on the fact that. They're really not going to need their backup quarterback. And if they do, Freddie Kitchens has full, total faith that Drew Stanton can step in there and get the job done in some way. All right, let's move on to uh, the other part of the backfield, and that's the running back position. Um, There's really three levels to this. There's the starter, and that's going to be Nick Chubb. Let's start there. It's really hard, of course, the caveat on a number of these positions. This is one of them. It's hard when there's no pads and tackling to see how a running back is doing. But I'll say this. When I watched Nick Chubb, I saw a guy that was decisive, and he makes some cuts. That I mean, he'll make a cut, and he's through a hole, and I I don't know when he's going to get tackled when, when the pads go on. He really looks He really looked sharp this spring. Yeah, he, he really has, and I think that, you know, John Dorsey really believes in competition, and he brought in Kareem Hunt. And now Nick Chubb has to deal with Kareem Hunt, even though they're good friends, kind of breathing down his neck and knowing that 
when Kareem Hunt gets back in week nine, who is going to be the workhorse? So, look, it's having its desired effect. Not that Nick Chubb needed to have a fire lit under him. None of these guys really need that. But it does take it up just a notch when you know that, hey, maybe someone can come in and take some of your reps. I thought Nick looked great. I also thought Kareem did. Yeah, Nick Chubb was coming into this season knowing he had to prove that the second part of last season was no fluke. And you add Kareem Hunt, that really doesn't change anything for Nick Chubb because he's still looking at a situation where he's going to have to kind of prove himself. Um, You know, they get to the midway point of the season and and the running game's having problems, and then you bring in Kareem Hunt and you have somebody there to, to try in his place. But I think the ideal situation is that Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb coexist and that backfield, and they both find success, and they have different ways of using each guy because they do have different things that you know each of them does well. So, um, but but you're right. It's, trying to gauge where Nick Chubb is at or any of the running backs is kind of difficult because nobody's tackling and they're bursting through the line, and you know that you know people would be on the ground if this was uh, a real live practice. So, um, but he's looked as good as, as I think everybody would want him to look at this point. And I, the other thing with Kareem Hunt, and this will lead us to the Duke Johnson discussion, is he's really he's really the reason Duke Johnson becomes expendable because we saw a lot of him split out, not just in the slot, but he was split out wide a lot. This week specifically, I happen to notice, number 27 was split out as a wide receiver a lot. Uh, so that brings us to Duke Johnson because he you know, didn't back down from his trade request. He kind of threw it back at the Browns and said, they put me on the trading block first. I don't know how this is all going to end with Duke Johnson. I'm I'm probably going to die all alone on the Duke Johnson hill. I think he's a guy that if the Browns can keep him happy enough and, and make him want to be here, I think he's a guy that can win you a football game, whether it's in October or January. Or I, I think Duke Johnson's the sort of guy that can win you one football game at some point during the season. He can create some kind of mismatch out there, but... You know, we'll see how this plays out. He showed up. He did what he was supposed to do this week, and now we kind of see what happens between now and training camp. Well, you know, when you've got your quarterback standing up there and saying that your status with the club is self-inflicted and, uh, you know, the things that, that Baker said about, you know, if you're not on this train, then basically get out of here. Uh, those are strong, strong statements. And Baker Mayfield stood during Duke Johnson's press conference <laughs> when he was saying all the things about I didn't feel they were loyal, they put me on the trading block, and he was kind of shaking his head back there a little bit uh, in you know, not really liking what he was hearing. So when you've got your quarterback feeling that way and you know, you know that there is other sentiment in the building like that about the way that Duke has handled this, I think it's going to be hard uh, to mend the fences. Even Duke said he doesn't think that the fences can be mend- mended. So I think this is a tough one. I mean, you've got Freddie Kitchens standing up there saying, uh, when you're talking about Gerald McCoy specifically, that you know if, you, if you're not 100% all in and you don't want to be here, we don't want you here, I think it's hard to go back to like, Hey, yeah. <laughs> let's just work hard and come on in here. You're going to be our third down back and you're going to get all these reps. I mean, I just don't know how that these two entities can coexist anymore after all this. Yeah, there's no question that Duke Johnson can help the Browns win games, but that's happy Duke Johnson, you know, content Duke Johnson. Does disgruntled Duke Johnson help the Browns win games if 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 he's not if he's not getting the kind of touches that he wants, if he doesn't feel like he's wanted here for the long term does he 
you know, does he hope? You know, that's something I guess they'll find out going forward. Um, in the end, what we're going to learn here is the power of a hug. Because <laughs> there was Freddie on the practice field the other day giving Duke Johnson a long talk and, and a hug. And, you know, he obviously would like to mend fences. I think that's pretty clear. It's, it's whether or not, uh, you know, the other people in the building will, will want to do that if they see value in that and where they go from here. Well, I mean, I'll say that I think what Browns fans need to understand, and this doesn't necessarily have to just apply to Duke, you got 53 guys in that locker room who are all really talented. This roster is better. You're never going to have 53 guys who are happy. It's just not possible. You're not going to have 53 guys on the same page. They're not all going to be happy. They're not all going to be content. You got to find a way to win with them, and that, that's Freddie Kitchen's job. I think he's handled that well with Duke, honestly, because he said we've got. You know, he said the other day we got a package for Duke. He's talked about Duke Johnson as a member of the Cleveland Browns, whether he's happy or not. He's talked about Duke Johnson being under contract, and that's what you have to juggle as you increase the talent on this team, there are going to be guys, you might win a Super Bowl, and there's going to be guys in that locker room who are unhappy with how many touches they get. And that's what Freddie Kitchens has to deal with. Well, you know, I mean, if if Duke had come in here and said the other day things like, you know what, I'm here, I'm happy to be here, I want to be here, I've always wanted to be here, I want to help this team win, I'm all in, you know, let's let bygones be bygones. Let's forget it was a misunderstanding. I thought they put me on the trading block. They really did. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if he had said things like that, you know, then maybe going forward, you can make this work. But he, you know, in no uncertain terms, you know, when I asked him, you mm-hmm. know, do you still want to be traded? He said, yes, unequivocally, yes. Mm-hmm. So for those reasons, I, I just don't see how this is going to work. Okay, let's move on to uh, Duke's other position, wide receiver. Uh, We talked a little bit about how, obviously, Jarvis Landry didn't practice. Odell Beckham uh, didn't get here until this week. Uh, Did some light work to, you know, practice normally the first two days of minicamp, did some light work today, and didn't participate really in team drills. Um, So we got a chance to see some guys perform well. We talked about Rashard Higgins, probably the best receiver in camp. I think he's sort of reinforced that this is a guy that Baker trusts, that Baker's going to throw to. Um, but the opportunity was there for other guys, Scott, and you mentioned one of them, you know, Ishmael Hyman. Even when Odell Beckham showed up this week, he was working with the first unit. So uh, speaking of Rashard Higgins, you ask him, how can you benefit from working with Baker Mayfield all spring? Well, I, I think he's a guy that has certainly benefited from that. Yeah, Ishmael Hyman had a nice fumble to himself into the end zone <laughs> he today did on, too. A, yep. on a uh, botched uh, lateral play. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's someone, you know, you – we're seeing these numbers uh, line up wide on offense. And we're like, well, who's that guy? You know, 16, 10, yeah, 15. We're used to seeing, you know, 80 and, and now 13 and 11. And, and those guys haven't been out there as much. So, yeah, there's a lot more opportunity now to, to kind of catch people's eyes. And you're, it's a difference. I'm, you're getting passes thrown to you from Baker Mayfield compared to, yeah. you know, Garrett Gilbert or, or even Drew Stanton. So uh, that's been a, a plus. But... The depth at wide receiver on this team, I think, is going to be something that we're talking about as the season goes on. You know, last year, last year that was an issue. Last year they were scrambling, they're signing people off the street, they're getting somebody in, and then next day they're getting injured. And, you know, having their top guys all ready to go in training camp, I think, is the biggest thing. What everybody did now during OTAs and during minicamp, you know, it's 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 getting young players acclimated to the system. It's getting reps for for people who need them. But you know, Jarvis Landry's fine. Odell Beckham is going to be fine. Um, Antonio Callaway is 
being praised by his coaches for coming in here and looking like a different person almost. So uh, I think they're fine at wide receiver. Um, beyond that, you look at the top three, you look at Richard Higgins. After that, it's it's I think it's kind of up for grabs. Well, let's talk about Antonio Callaway for a minute because he's kind of been the <laughs> forgotten man behind Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. You sort of forget that, uh, you know, that he was somebody they counted on last year and uh, he, he started games and played a lot. Um, I talked to him today and I asked him, you know, what his goals were and he said a thousand yards and I said, what about TDs? He said 10 or hopefully <laughs> even more. So he's got big, big plans for this year. Personally, I have no problem with a guy uh, putting it out there like that. You know, if you if you do that, if you call your shot like that, then you know you've got to go out there and you've got to live up to it. And I kind of liked it that he, that he was saying that he's such a quiet guy. He's been flying under the radar. Uh, one of the interesting things about him today is that he admitted uh, that he just came into this camp not prepared at all. He did not take his off season seriously last year. Uh, after he was drafted, he just did not come in ready to play. And we saw an, a lot of inconsistency with him last year. It's all different this year. He's been working really, really hard, uh, worked on his change of direction, things like that. Uh, he, you know, he's been here for the most part. He's going to go out to L.A., work with Baker and Odell and those guys. And I do think it'll be interesting to see where he falls you know, in, in the grand scheme of things this year. He's also going to return punts with Jabril Peppers gone. He'll have a, a larger role there. Uh, but, you know, he he says he loves being the underdog. You know, I said, hey, you know, everybody's kind of forgotten about you. And he said, I, I like it. I want to sneak up on everybody and make my impact. So it'll be interesting to see if he can do that. Uh, yeah, and, and Callaway, um, I think it's going to be good for him that there's more bodies here. Because now he again, it's matchups. He can cause matchup problems. He does. I thought the workload he had to take on last year was too much for him. Honestly, I, I think he had to take too many snaps. There was a lot put on him, and you know, at times he handled it really well, and at other times he was a little inconsistent. But I think now that he's got Odell Beckham out there on one side, you still have a guy like Rashard Higgins who you can kind of put anywhere. Of course, Jarvis Landry you can put in the slot. You can do a lot of different things now with Antonio Callaway. And, and you don't necessarily have to put that workload on him that you did last year. And, and I think that's going to help him ultimately. You can see that about a lot of positions. Yeah. I mean, depth has changed so much with this team. Um, and a couple other guys that, that, you know, we mentioned Ishmael Hyman. Um, DJ Montgomery made some plays. Uh, he, he's a guy that two days in a row I think he got two touchdowns, which, okay, he's down the depth chart. But the funny thing that happens is, Sometimes you look at a guy and you say, okay, nice catch by that guy, nice catch by that guy, and it starts kind of piling up, and all of a sudden you get to the end of August, and it's like, oh, he just was the last guy put on the roster, or here he is in the practice squad, and two weeks into the season he's playing. So uh, just one of those names that I kind of am storing away to keep an eye on in training camp. And I thought Dorian Baker actually wasn't spectacular, but but I do think he's a guy that John Dorsey might be really intrigued by, just based on his size and his ability. Yeah, there's there's a lot of young guys down the depth chart and not you know some not even quite so young I mean you've got Jalen Strong who's trying to come back from a torn ACL you know he's out there you know he he was a, a, a very good receiver before he tore the ACL uh, so you've got guys like that then you've got uh, the 2018 pick Damian Ratley yeah he hasn't really participated much yeah. in any camp That's yeah a guy that there's been of, a lot of guys that have been sort of injured uh, and they've been a little bit in and out of the lineup but the good thing, the silver lining in the top guys being out a lot, 
is the fact that you do sometimes unearth a guy that can come in and actually play in this league. And I think uh, we will see that there will be a guy or two like that out of this group that we don't really even know who it is yet. Okay, let's move on to the offensive line. There's not a ton to talk about it every week. We don't need to go position by position because four of these positions are essentially set. Mm -hmm. The position that matters is right guard, and I think the thing we can all take away from this is maybe Austin Corbett is the front runner. I don't know, but that job is still very much up for grabs. We saw Corbett, of course, out there. Uh, Eric Cush was out there. Kyle Kalis is still out there. That job is still very much up for grabs. Yeah, Freddie talked today about how there it is up for grabs. They're not going into training camp saying, you know, Corbett is the guy or Cush is the guy or, or Kalis is the guy. It's 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 up for grabs. Um, but he said at this point they're they're kind of looking for versatility. You know, they have to figure out who who the back who's going to be the backup at guard and center, and you know who's going to be the backup at both tackle spots. So that's part of the reason why you've seen Corbett going down to second team and being a center, and why they've rotated different guys in at guard. Um, now, ideally, they would want Corbett to stake his claim, and he's the guard, and that's it, and they're moving forward, and, and maybe uh, you know Cush is, is looking at backup center or something, but that's just not the case. They have to they have to get that figured out, and I'm guessing they want to get it figured out early in camp. Yeah, it, it has been a little bit puzzling, because if you do want him, if you do want Austin Corbett to be your starting right guard, you want him to get all the work there that he can possibly get. You want him to get every rep. Those five guys have to be working in sync. Don't we always hear that about an offensive line? They've got to be working like the uh, five fingers on a glove and all of that sort of thing. So if he's going to be the guy, I think it is a little odd that he hasn't been in there every single day and that they are alternating. Uh, The other part of it is I do think that they are trying to make him earn it. And, and they want him to, you know, to step up and really take that job. And maybe they're, you know, trying to push him a little bit uh, and, and make him realize that this isn't, we are not handing this to you. Uh, so, you know, maybe there's some of that to it. But, you know, come the start of training camp, you want to have that position nailed down very early. Yeah, I mean, one of the trends we've seen in the NFL is how difficult September is for a lot of teams. You know, Pittsburgh, New England, like all these really good teams sometimes start slow in September, and a lot of it is because these lines are getting used to each other and, and they're trying to figure each other out. So the earlier you can get those guys together, the, the better start you can get off to in September because the Browns aren't the Steelers or the Patriots. or you know They don't have this long history. They'll want to start strong. So if they can get that line together, that, that's a big piece to, to actually having a really good September while some of the other elite teams are maybe you know scuffling a little bit. Um, I don't think we really need to spend a lot of time on tight end. Uh, it pretty much is what it is. David Njoku is the number one. Seth DeValve is still around. Uh, Pharaoh Brown is here as well, uh, a local kid. Um, Orson Charles is a fullback still. So I, I don't know how much time we need to spend on tight end. I'm seeing shaking heads from both of you, so we'll We're just good. move over to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, the defensive line, pretty set up front. Miles um, Garrett, Olivier Vernon on the ends. Now it's going to be Sheldon Richardson and Larry Ogunjobi for sure, now that Gerald McCoy has, has decided to sign with Carolina. Um, the, the interesting guy to me, and Scott, I think I saw you tweet this, or, or maybe you put a, even put a headline on it, is Jannard Avery. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he has been working with D linemen. I asked linebackers coach Al Holcomb last week if he believes that Jannard Avery is, if he still considers him one of his guys, and he said he does, but uh, Jannard Avery really is playing as an edge. And, and I know that's sort of a term people use for that hybrid now. 
Um, but he really is playing more like a D lineman than, than a true linebacker at this point. Yeah, you you don't see him doing linebacker drills uh, this offseason. He's, he's he's become uh, an outside rusher. So, uh, but the thing I think about that 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 takes you back a little bit is he's been third team edge. You know, they've had Chad Thomas and and uh, and Chris Smith as the as the second guys uh, pretty consistently, and then they'll bring in uh, Avery after that. Now, there have been some packages where they have Avery lined up outside uh, uh, Miles Garrett. They'll move Miles Garrett over to the left, have Avery outside to kind of create some mismatches. Um, so I, I'm, I'm guessing they're going to use Avery in a lot of different ways to kind of utilize his pass rushing ability. Um, but for all of us who thought that he was the answer, <laughs> and, and we're led to believe that, that he was a, a legitimate contender for the quote-unquote third linebacker, that certainly has been the case. Yeah, I feel like we forget about Chris Smith. He had a really nice year last year as, a, as that extra end for, for this team. He was, he was really good. Um, Mary Kay, Freddie Kitchens has said that he thinks this defensive line, he's got high expectations for them. He expects them to be the strength of this football team. Um, he was very clear about that on, on Wednesday. He does expect that, and you know I find that to be uh, sort of interesting because obviously you know, you've got Baker Mayfield, at quarterback, right? right? And Odell Beckham at wide and receiver. Odell Beckham and at wide Nick receiver. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in the backfield. Yeah, so to say that the defensive line is going to be the strength of the football team, I think that's a pretty bold statement because when I look at the defense, I do think that it's a, a very, very good and very talented defensive line with three pro bowlers on it. But I, I look back at the secondary, and I think the secondary looks really, really good. So I'm not even sure if at the end of the season we won't be saying that defensively the secondary was the strength of the defense mm-hmm. you know I think that still has to play itself out but it does look very very good and I think that Miles Garrett will be helped by having guys like Vernon guys like Sheldon Richardson taking a little pressure off him taking a little heat off of him Larry Joby stepping up having another year uh, in that starting role not playing with a torn Achilles, I mean a torn, torn biceps, a torn biceps yeah. this year, which I don't even know how he did that <laughs> I know. last year. How do you do that? He's got muscles to spare. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, like I, I don't even know how that's possible. Um, but you know, hopefully he's a hundred percent healthy now. And um, again, Miles looks like Miles looks like he's ready to take it up a notch. And every time we talk to uh, coaches, that they want that from him. They want to see more of that dog in him. Steve Wilkes has said it. Uh, you know, that's what they want to see, and I think they're going to get it. Um, the the mantra, if, if you're looking for a, a slogan, Sheldon Richardson probably said it yesterday. Uh, when I, I asked him about, you know, how does that competition of four guys who can all get after the quarterback work, and he said, don't meet me there, beat me there. Mm-hmm. So Cleveland T-shirt <laughs> companies, you know what to do. I know, Joe Thomas, needs... I know Joe Thomas is coming up with the nickname, but yeah. that's your slogan. I was going to say, they still need a nickname. That, that needs to have. I was hoping something would emerge here in minicamp, but... Uh... This group needs a nickname. Every great defensive line has Yeah, a well, they had to wait and find out if they were getting Gerald McCoy or not. So now that they That's don't true. have him, now they can kind they of actually, find their some, identity. They have some great names, too. That's the thing. You've got mm-hmm. a Miles, an Olivier, Sheldon, Larry. I mean, you've got four great names across <laughs> the front there, too. Uh, so it's perfect. Linebacker, this is an interesting one. Christian Kirksey and Joe Schobert are still there. Uh, but we were talking about this earlier um, you know, Darius Taylor was the guy today when I was watching the defense who was out there when they went to three linebacker sets, which they haven't used a lot. But it was a Darius Taylor as, as your third linebacker. And the rookies are still a little bit down the depth chart. It's been second team or third team. Of course, I'm talking about Sione Takitaki and Mac Wilson. Um, but Mary Kay, uh, you know, Darius Taylor said 
when we talked to him at his conference call that he mm-hmm. was coming here to try and start. Right. And, I, you know, you don't want to read too much into this in the spring, but I think if they played a game tomorrow and started with three linebackers, he might be on the field. Yeah, I think there's going to be some really good competition at linebacker. And, again, it's a little murky just exactly what's going on with Jannard Avery and if he will be part of that mix yeah. uh, when all is said and done and training camp opens. Uh, but when they signed Adarius Taylor, they really liked him and, and thought of him as a player that could come in and be part of a starting rotation or maybe even win a starting job. I think there's going to be a lot of really good competition at this position, especially because... I mean, they didn't draft uh, Taki Taki to to sit on the bench this year. I think they want him to play early and often. They love what he brings to the table. Uh, I I think, uh, again, Steve Wilkes has talked about the fact that, you know, he doesn't have traditional Sam, Will, Mike linebackers. It's what you do best. And, again, they're going to be in the nickel a lot, which Mm -hmm. means two linebackers only. But even in, in those situations, I don't think it's just going to be Christian Kirksey and Joe Schobert. I think that is also going to be uh, interchangeable. Yeah, Schubert talked about that uh, yesterday uh, about how you know, last year they had a lot. They had some three line, well, some four linebacker sets, um, but a lot of three linebacker last year. And and now this year, it, it's you've seen a lot more too, especially when we've seen teams practicing because of the offense that the Browns run. And there's a lot of three wide receiver sets, and there's a lot more people to cover going down the field, so you're going to have more defensive backs on the field. Um, but but he did talk about just the way the NFL is today and the, the passing league that, that it has become, and you're not going to have three linebackers on the field as much anymore, And except he did point out when you play the Ravens, you're probably going to have more because <laughs> they're just totally sold on running the ball, mm-hmm. at least they were last year. So, um, so yeah, we're going we're gonna to see more two, two linebacker sets, um, but, but I think you're right. I think the rookie, especially Taki Taki, they're going to want to get him on the field just because of how versatile he is, how fast, and he just flies to the ball. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, but I mean, even even the Ravens, though, you know, you go back to that Chargers game, and the Chargers basically played a bunch, threw a bunch of defensive backs out there, threw a bunch right. of athletes out there to go after Lamar Jackson and, and basically beg him to throw the football. So yeah. it's going to be really interesting to see how this Browns defense deploys those guys. And, you know, Taki Taki's a guy – so, like, linebacker is one of those positions, even though it's not an interior position, I don't think you can judge it till you get pads on these guys, especially a guy like Taki Taki. Yeah, that's true. And it's just, I'm going to be very interested to see how NFL defenses really respond and react to all the spread offenses and the Kyler Murrays and the Baker Mayfields and the Patrick Mahomes and, and all of these, you know, offensive guys that are coming up and bringing the air raid and the spread. You know, I'm very interested to see how the NFL is going to adjust to this. Um, and I've asked some people, and I haven't gotten any answers yet. I mean, is it going to be a, you know, a different kind of a linebacker? Is it going to be a almost more of a, a hybrid type of linebacker that's, you know, more safety line? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like I, I wonder how they're going to com- combat uh, these offenses and what's going on in the NFL today. And it, it's funny, last year for all the offensive fireworks, and that was the story last year, and then, you know, kind of, culminated with that Chiefs-Rams game on Monday night, all of a sudden you're starting to see defenses taking over a little bit. And you get to this Super Bowl where you've got two high-powered offenses, and, it, well, I, I don't even remember the final score off the top yeah. of my head, but it was not very high, so 13-3 to yeah. or something yeah. like that. I should remember the score of the Super Bowl. But, uh, I mean, it was this low-scoring, like, boring game, even though it was two high-powered offenses. So this is the NFL. Defenses are going to adjust and catch up and they might never shut down these offenses completely 
but they're going to figure out ways to slow them down. And I want them to. I mean, I, you it's know, a, yeah, it's a fun game I when you've got both all three all three elements working together. Yeah, I mean, I got I started getting bored with you know a touchdown on every possession last year i was like oh i'm gonna go make some nachos or something i'm not bored watching that i don't want to see that i like good good defense i want to see you prevent them from getting into the end zone so i i hope i can't wait to see what you know and we've saw we've seen some of it from bill belichick and uh, some of these brilliant defensive minds, what they're dialing up for these guys. I think adding adding the speed on defense is going to be a key to that, and that's what the Browns have been doing with you know Greedy Williams and Taki Taki, and and then the back end and Denzel Ward. And you've had the speed, and you have that back seven who can be a little versatile and mm-hmm. like almost like positionless basketball, where you can have people who can yep. play multiple positions. That's you know that's how you're going to end up combating that. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the secondary and of course the corners and you know we saw this last year with Denzel Ward. It was a different coaching staff, but we saw them do the the same thing with him that they're doing with Greedy Williams right now. Uh, Denzel Ward got thrown out there with the first team. Once they kind of realize this guy's ready, he can handle. He got thrown out there against Jarvis Landry and Josh Gordon and and all these guys. Um, what we're seeing with Greedy Williams now is the same thing. He's getting thrown out there with the first team. He's he has been the starter since I want to say maybe the second OTA session mm-hmm. that we yeah. saw, um, and and he's been out there ever since. He played a little bit on, on the inside slot guy today, which I thought was interesting before TJ Carey got hurt. But um, th- this is going to be a young group of corners right now. Looks like a first round cornerback to me, Greedy Williams. He, he does. really does. He looks like a first rounder. If you told me that he was picked you know what, 21 overall or something like that, I would look out there and think that's what I would expect a, a mid-ish first-round pick to look like. That's the mm-hmm. way uh, he has been in this mini camp. He has been one of the MVPs, I think, of the camp so far. Uh, you know, the one day we saw him get two interceptions, I mean, he's treating this like he's playing in a game. I mean, he really is going all out, mm-hmm. and, uh, and you know, he's he's not intimidated by – you know, going up against Odell Beckham Jr. And that's another thing. These guys, they are going to be ready <laughs> for the NFL season, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Denzel and Greedy, if they can take on Jarvis, Antonio, Odell on an everyday basis, they are going to be really, really prepared for the excellent receivers they're going to see this season. But I love this secondary. T Mitch, I mean, you can't even like. Yeah, yeah, he's working it. with the, he was your starter last year and deserved to be your starter exactly. and now he's working with your second string. Yeah. And I mean so the the depth, I mean they've got starters like you said that are that are on the second team. TJ Carey, I thought now he went down today with some kind of a leg injury. Let's hope he's okay. He's a mm-hmm. good player. You do not want to see him get injured. Um, but you know, he's another one. He's had an excellent preseason or offseason. Uh, and and I thought I think he's had a really really nice mini camp. I think these guys are going to get a lot of interceptions. They did in this camp. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to get a ton of picks, and I think they're also going to score the ball. Yeah, we we talked to Greedy Williams today. It's weird seeing him kind of humble because he was known for being a trash talker at LSU. And there was there was a game where he followed DK Metcalf across the width <laughs> of the field, just jawing at him the whole way as he was trying to get back to his own sideline. Um, that's the kind of guy he was when people asked him if he was the best cornerback in the draft he's like well of course I am you know who's this DeAndre Baker guy um so he's he said today that he's kind of in his humble stage right now you know he he kind of questioned himself uh, earlier in the offseason uh he had some bad practices and he had guys getting completions on him and 
he kind of had to work through that, and I think there was a realization that this is his job now, and you know, it's a business, it's his job, and he needs to kind of be a little more focused than than perhaps he was. And since that happened, he's uh, you know he's been playing really well, and even though he's in with the starters now, he's he's just kind of kept the swagger checked. You know, he's he's talked a lot about knowing that there are a bunch of other guys who are competing here too, and his spot can get taken away at any moment. So, um, you know, going into training camp, he's obviously got the confidence, but it seems like his head's in the right place. He isn't um, kind of overthinking it and uh, getting too big for his britches. And the, yeah, <laughs> and, and the thing about these guys that we can't see yet, but these guys have emphasized it over and over and over, Joe Witt, Steve Wilkes, they have said, the identity of this defense is going to come from the secondary and how they tackle. And that's going to be vitally, vitally important. Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams, they are going to have to stick their nose in there. They're going to have to wrap up in the way that these guys coach them to do that. And, again, it's going to be hard. We can't see that out here. They can't do that. They don't have pads on. And you don't get a ton of opportunities to do that in training camp either. But come the regular season, that's going to be a real point of emphasis for them. All right, let's talk about the uh, Green Bay safety position. We've got Demarius Randall, Morgan Burnett, who we didn't re- who we didn't get to see. Uh, kind of, he told us today it was more of a maintenance kind of thing. He didn't really disclose if uh, maybe there's an injury there, maybe not. He didn't really disclose it. He, he said he'll be ready by training camp. Uh, kind of just taking care of his body. He was here, not practicing. And then Jermaine Whitehead, who they acquired last season after he got cut by the Packers um, after that ejection. So this is a uh, this is an opportunity to see this Green Bay back kind of Green Bay backfield that John Dorsey mm-hmm. and his Green Bay buddies upstairs have put together, um, and, and there's some real potential here. Demarius Randall, of course, is going into a contract year, wants to get paid like all these other safeties got paid, uh, brings the swagger to this team. Jermaine Whitehead was sort of the darling of OTAs because Morgan Burnett wasn't practicing. Um, I, I mean, I like what the Browns have in that back end. Yeah, and, and from a safety standpoint, they also have Sheldrick Redwine, who is a young guy that's going to kind of come up and, and he'll probably start out some on special teams, but maybe uh, challenge for some occasional playing time here or there. But, I mean, you have to really, really like the safety position. And I think Demarius Randall is poised to have a really, really big year. I think he kind of has owned it now. You know, he's kind of got his sea legs. Mm-hmm. I think he'll be a, a leader on the team. I think he'll be very vocal. He's always vocal. Uh, but now he's been around. He's got a whole year here under his belt, a whole year at free safety right. under his belt. And um, and think about this. Do you really even miss Jabril Peppers? <laughs> no. Not yet. Do you? I mean, <laughs> not yet. I mean, like, it's not like you look out there and think, oh, boy, you know, if they only had Jabril. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that, that that has even crossed my mind this entire offseason. You know, we're going we're gonna to miss Jabril Peppers, though, when it's time to talk to guys in the locker room. And well, yes. Mm-hmm. He was a good interview. And, and I, you know, I mean, I hope Jabril goes to New York and, and plays really well. He, yeah. he showed some flashes last year, um, but, but not quite enough to merit being called a first-round, the equivalent of a first-round pick yeah. by Dave Gettleman, um, even though he was a first-round pick by the Browns. Um, yeah, I, Scott, I'll, I'll let you pick yeah, that up. I think, uh, and you, you kind of alluded to this, Demarius Randall's the comfort level at safety is a big thing for him this year. And one of the things he said the other day is, you can count on not seeing me 25, 30 yards deep, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which was kind of a veiled shot, I think, at, uh, at Greg Williams. That seemed to happen a couple times here during mm-hmm. minicamp. But, yep. um, but, yeah, there's that comfort level of coming back and knowing 
playing the position he wants to play. And plus, you have experience back there now. You, you don't have, you know, a, a Jabril Peppers, Derek Kindred um, pairing of, of two young guys. You want you want some experience at the back end of that defense to, to kind of run the show. So um, that's something that I'm sure the Browns are, are happy to, to have going into training camp. Yeah, and the thing about Freddie Kitchens, he comes from that Bill Parcells school of they like veterans. You, you'll hear Freddie say this a lot. They've been through the fire, and they've put some of them out. He mm-hmm. likes that. Morgan Burnett brings that, mm-hmm. and they really like that about him. So even though we haven't seen him out there yet, I think I think he's going to play a very, very big role just in terms of also getting things set back there. And they're also going to play a big role in improving the tackling on this team. Yeah. You know, taking the right angles and, and yes. making sure that they're not letting people get by. That's number one thing they have to improve, according to Steve Wilkes, is that tackling. Absolutely. Uh, do we want to talk about kickers? Definitely. Okay. Kicker. <laughs> I got a kicker, kicker battle coming. Oh boy. <laughs> kicker stats. Roll them out there, Scott. Um, yeah. So it's Greg Joseph versus Austin uh, Austin Seibert. Scott, what have you got? Well, um, on Wednesday. No, wait. What day is today? Today is Thursday. Thursday. On Tuesday, uh, the only thing they did was. Uh, Kind of a hurry up, get on the field, kick field goal before time runs out, um, and and they both they both did. It. I think it was Jared, Greg Joseph bounced it off the upright, but it went through. So they were both one for one. I think it was about forty yards or so. But uh, but yesterday indoors, they kind of did this succession, uh, starting from like the thirty-eight, moving back to the forty-eight, fifty-two, fifty-seven. Um, they both made it from forty-eight. Greg Joseph made made all the rest. He was four for four. Cybert. Made the first one, missed the next three. So, I mean, you can't do that. You yeah. can't miss three <laughs> field goals in a mini camp practice. In, indoors in perfect conditions. I, you know, if uh, if the decision comes down to that to that sort of thing, then you know, obviously, I, I would say Greg Joseph has the edge going. Uh, I uh, Scott, I would like to congratulate you on getting yourself aggregated. You will be on uh, all the Browns blogs and Browns Twitter and any other uh, NFL mm-hmm. NFL blog saying that <laughs> Austin Seibert was a bad pick. Not that we know what you said, but that's, so it's okay. I can, get I can that see one. that. <laughs> We've all fallen victim to the aggregate. For a fifth-round pick. I mean, it was a seventh-round pick, you know. I mean, I know Zane Gonzalez didn't work out, but um, I don't know. Here's a here's a little tidbit. Um, John Dorsey was involved in the uh, in the Tampa Bay pick of uh, a second round kicker a few years ago, whose name now escapes me. Gosh, who Aguayo. was Aguayo? Roberto Aguayo. That's oh. right, Roberto Aguayo. Good it was, job, Dan. It was the I watched Chiefs. Hard knocks. <laughs> the Bucks traded with the Chiefs to move up to get him in that draft. So John Dorsey is kind of connected to that. Yeah. Which you would think would scare him off from from drafting a kicker at all. But, yeah. but he went ahead and did it in the fifth round. So. I, did, I didn't love drafting the kicker. We'll see how it works out. I always kind of believe that, you know, it, you can't really judge these guys, so we get them in preseason games. Um, there's a lot that we don't really see necessarily. Um, people so, are rushing for real, too. Yeah, and, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see how they handle those moments and, and some of those pressure moments. Hopefully we'll get a few of those in the preseason. But the reality is, you know, that bad Wednesday aside, this kid's going to have to be really bad to be a fifth-round pick and, and get cut. It's it's going to be really difficult for him to lose that job. He's he's going to have to really, he's going to have to have repeats of that Wednesday performance again and again. But I will say this: Mike Prefer, the new special teams coach, he's not going to mess around. He's not going to tolerate special teams 
losing three or four games for this football team mm-hmm. this year. That's not going to happen. So if he doesn't feel like he has what he needs at kicker, they'll get him what he needs, and mm-hmm. they'll help him. I mean, we've already heard that they're going to allow him to use starters on special teams this year. Mm-hmm. There's no way they're going to have a bad kicker. Yeah. Okay, before we go, um, how about we each do a takeaway? One, one takeaway from camp. It doesn't have to be long, but just – Something you're taking away today that you're going to be driving home thinking about or you're going to be losing sleep over or whatever, a takeaway. I'll, I'll, I'll give you mine here. And I just think, honestly, I think this is going to be a really competitive training camp. I felt like this was a really competitive for, – for, for the things you're not allowed to do, you're not allowed to hit, you're not allowed to wear pads, uh, you're limited with, like, the one-on-ones and things you can do. I still thought this was a really competitive off-season program where we saw a lot of team periods – um, a lot of trash talking, and I think many. I think training camp is going to be the exact same thing, and and even escalated. I think it's going to be really competitive, a lot of trash talking. There's a lot of trash talkers on both sides, and I think Freddie wants these guys out there competing in every step of the way. If you go to training camp, watch the one on ones between the receivers and cornerbacks. That's going to be must watch. Uh, those are going to be must watch drills. Um, but I think just in general, we're going to be in for a very competitive. Uh, fiery training camp. Well, I got breaking news. The Uh-oh. Cardinals have claimed Desmond Harrison off waivers. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so there you go. That's your update. There you go. So much for that takeout I wrote on him <laughs> last year. <laughs> um, my takeaway from this camp, I mean, other other than OBJ, I'm, I'm going to do something a little different than OBJ. Uh, you know, I, just looking out there and seeing Baker Mayfield take ownership of the offense, take ownership of the team and his teammates and everything. Uh, I, I think that's the number one thing that stands out to me. There, there were times where, you know, he was barking at guys to, to hustle and get back to the, you know, to get back to the huddle. And, and, you know, just, we saw him jawing with some referees today. And, you know, I, I just think, you know, Ryan Lindley, the quarterback's coach said earlier this week that he does want him to put his stamp on the offense and take ownership that way. I think he's going to take ownership of basically the, the whole organization. And, you know, when he has to tell Odell Beckham Jr. something, he will do that. If he has to tell Jarvis something, he'll do that too. And, you know, you just kind of see him growing up a little bit before our very eyes. I think my takeaway is just the depth on this team. Um, after seeing it the last couple of years and just there was no, you know, you, there was no depth. There was no depth in the front line in a lot of cases. But it's looking at, at like cornerback and wide receiver and obviously running back and and that defensive line and how things have changed and uh, you know even when there weren't some of the front line guys out there you know you you saw the guys who were stepping in who you were thinking oh that guy you know he he was starting last year you know so that's just been such a huge change and like you said Dan it's going to lead to competition and, and training camp and, and and that's how you get better all right it should be fun there you go forty five minutes of. Uh... Off-season program, <laughs> mini-camp review uh, here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Training camp is going to open sometime at the end of July. We don't have a schedule for that yet, uh, but I mean, we're, we're going to be ready for it when it does. Uh, and, of course, we'll try and get some of these to you as we go. Go ahead, Mary-Kate, you got something else? I think uh, camp will open around July 20th. Yeah, that's kind of the guess. So be, be ready for that. So 15 days before the – I think the rule is 15 days before the, the mm-hmm. first preseason game, which I believe is August 8th, if yep. I'm not mistaken, which all of a sudden, now that I've said it out loud, feels incredibly, incredibly close. close. Yes, very close. So <laughs> we're going to uh, to wrap this up. We'll try and get some OAB talks 
uh, out to you as we go. We're uh, all kind of mixing in some vacation time here before the season really gets going, but, but we'll get as many of these out to you as we can. For Scott and Mary Kay, I am Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you.